The information on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a qualified licensed professional counselor or a qualified licensed medical provider. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another session of the Evolving Chair podcast with your host, Lakeisha. So I am just really enjoying this weekend. Um, it's been pretty busy, um, but that's all right. <laughs> I'm still here. And so I'm I'm just enjoying, but we are actually like winding down um, with a few more episodes left of this season. Um, so, you know, I, I've enjoyed the guests I've had thus far on season two. And, you know, I'm just, just really excited for you guys to hear the great guests um, that will be left closing out this season. And thank you guys again for just rocking with me. Um, and give me your feedback. And if you are interested in being a guest on the podcast, feel free to connect with me through my website and fill out my form at www.theevolvingchair.com and just click on podcast and then click the um, guest form and you can fill that out. And so I just, I really appreciate with you guys for just rocking with me. So today, Pops Therapy segment, I'm talking about the TV show, The Shy on Showtime. Um, it is written by Lena Waithe and I believe Common helps produce it too. And I'm just really loving the show. And so just the concept of the show is showing life on Chicago's South Side. So it has different characters whose lives all intertwine. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, it just shows the day in the life of kids who have to grow up in Chicago around the violence um, from from gangs and drugs. And so I, I'm just like really in love with the show because I think it it is a good depiction of what some kids go through and what their reality is, um, which which kind of solidify some of the behaviors at times right and so again it's just an eye-opener for me just to always be cognizant of where people are coming from um, because we we never know what they have to deal with what what they're putting in their backpack every day um, to come out here in the world and so I encourage you all to just go you know um, check it out I love it um, and hopefully you you'll enjoy it as well. But today I have a very special guest that'll be joining me. And it is Miss Siobhan Odom of Acoma Counseling Concepts. And she is so dynamic. Um, she her specialty is maternal mental health. And so I just thought that it would be really important for us to talk about mental health when you're pregnant, mental health after you have the baby, because I feel like that is a piece that that is missing at times. And um, I was so encouraged to have her just thinking of um, the individuals I work with and working with their kids. Um, and then an episode of Blackish that was like several weeks back. Um, and it had the character on there, Rainbow, the mom going through postpartum depression. And so I just thought that that was something that um I need to to have somebody who specialized in that come and just 
give us some gems and and to fill our our brain up and so i know you guys definitely will will love what she has to say so i'm just going to read her bio and then we'll take a break and return after that with miss siobhan odom siobhan odom is the founder of Acoma counseling concepts she is passionate about helping to improve the mental health of women helping promote women's empowerment and mental health awareness. She completed her bachelor's degree in psychology from the University of Massachusetts, Boston, and graduated with her master's degree in counseling psychology from Howard University. She is a licensed professional counselor in Washington, D.C., a certified school counselor in Washington, D.C., and a licensed clinical professional counselor in the state of Maryland. She specializes in maternal mental health counseling, postpartum depression, fertility issues, miscarriage, and postpartum anxiety for first and second time mothers. And she has completed certificate training in maternal mental health counseling via Postpartum Support International and Mary Center Clinic in Washington, D.C. And so I'm just so excited for her saying yes to come on and be a guest. And so right after this break, we will be back with Ms. Siobhan Odom. And don't forget, you're listening to the Evolving Chair Podcast. For you, the listeners of the Evolving Chair Podcast, Audible is offering a free audio book download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Personally, I recommend Soar by Bishop T.D. Jakes. If you're feeling stuck with getting your business off the ground or taking it to the next level, then this is the book for you. It will surely have you soaring high like, like an eagle. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com backslash T-E-C-P-O-D. Again, that's audibletrial.com backslash T-E-C-P-O-D for your audiobook today. Hello, you guys, and thank you for joining me after this break. And I have my beautiful guest with me, Ms. Siobhan Odom. Do you want to say hi to the TEC listeners? Hello. Yes, I'm just so grateful. Um. I've been trying to get Miss Siobhan on here and I just knew she was the perfect person to talk about um, mental health and when we're pregnant and what that looks like and even after giving birth um, because it also stemmed from my conversations with parents as I'm working with their children and how they express like they've had some depression um, while being pregnant and even an episode of Blackish and Siobhan, I don't know if you watch Blackish or anything. Yes, um, I did. Okay. And did you see that episode um, with Rainbow going through postpartum? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and I think even from that, I was just like, ooh, like this is a conversation we have to have um, because it isn't talked about enough. And so I just knew Siobhan was the best person <laughs> to come on here to talk about that. Um, but before we dive too far into it i just want to give you guys some statistics that i came across um so about just worldwide about 10 percent of pregnant women and 13 percent of women who have just given birth experiences a mental disorder which is primarily depression and 
And so for me, I was just like, that that sounds about right, because I'm thinking of the mothers that I come in contact with who share their story about having depression during their pregnancy or a little after. It, it's not a, a big percentage of them, but, you know, I think that definitely is reflective of that data. And so, Ms. Siobhan, can you just talk to us about how, do, well, how did you even get into this field um, of therapy and then talking a little bit about your passion for talking about maternal mental health? So how did I get into the mental health field or how did I get into maternal mental health counseling? Well, both, both. Um, I think I always knew that I wanted to be a therapist. Mm -hmm. I never changed my major in undergrad. Um, so I just always knew. I don't know if there was specifically a reason why I wanted to be a therapist, but, mm -hmm. um, I just always knew that it was something that I wanted to do. Um, in terms of my interest for maternal mental health, it actually did not come to me until about 2015. Wow. Um, okay. Maternal mental health is something that, uh, in my experience, was not heavily discussed in graduate school, mm -hmm. really not even discussed a lot in the uh, clinical realms in which I was in. And so um, it took me working at a local community healthcare clinic, um, seeing patients um, as part of their primary care visit, uh, that I got to have my first interactions with women that were pregnant and experiencing depression and anxiety, and women that were postpartum and experiencing depression and anxiety. And so even more, like, and not just that, but even more specifically, um, black women mm. that were experiencing these things while they were pregnant and postpartum. So it was just, it was a new experience for me all around. I mean, prior to that, I had never met a pregnant depressed mom. Wow. Never. Okay. Um, and so when you really think about it, how many pregnant moms do you see talking about, Oh, I feel depressed. I feel anxious. You don't. How mm. many postpartum moms, do you see with their new baby talking about they feel depressed and anxious? They don't. I mean, because those aren't the things that people are coming to a mom and asking about. Right. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. it's kind of like going to a, um, a person, a woman that's newly engaged. Mm -hmm. You're not going to ask her like, so are you crying at night? You're not going to mm. ask her that. <laughs> you're going to think that this is a pretty exciting time. Yeah. You know, so you're not even going to know. You're not even going to know to ask this woman, are you nervous about getting married? Or, or do you feel like there's some unresolved issues with yourself personally that is, that you feel is going to, I guess, make you feel unprepared for married life? I mean, if somebody came up to you like that at a bridal shower, you'd probably want to kick them out. You know, mm -hmm. so it's, it's the same thing with a, with a mom. You, you're not exactly socialized to walk up to a mom while she's pregnant or postpartum and just start having these discussions because mm. you just look at them like, what's going on? Right. So I say that to say that um, it's still something that's very um, hidden and taboo. And um, I think what really... Um, strove, what really made me uh, very interested in this topic, I think it's the first time I've, I've uh, been asked that question on a podcast about this, is um, 
because I hope I don't get anybody upset with this answer, <laughs> is um, I was asked to work at a clinic that served a predominantly, predominantly African-American clientele. Mm-hmm. The staff that were there were predominantly uh, white. Mm. And uh, going into this, I had worked primarily in psychiatry or just community mental health or private practice. I'd never mm. worked in a general healthcare clinic. Mm. Most therapists are not trained to do that. Um, mm. And so I took on this experience because it was new and I had learned many things. Like I had learned that primary care doctors and nurse practitioners can often prescribe antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications, but they themselves, many of them have never ever completed an internship or rotation in psychiatry. So Mm. they themselves are not equipped to deal with this, but the number one utilized place for mental health for uh, black people is their primary care physician. So I was seeing this, and then I was seeing women that had issues that were going and they were going to a clinic and the doctors were scared of what they were seeing or they were able to assess or someone diagnose what they were seeing, but they didn't know what to do mm-hmm. um, because they themselves had stigma and did mm-hmm. not have training. Mm-hmm. And then I also had a supervisor that was a therapist that was a male therapist, um, these are the facts. This is not subjective. This person was, um, they're what, late fifties, white male from Ohio, who was also wonderfully openly gay. Mm-hmm. However, the number one biggest misogynist I'd ever met in my life. And so mm-hmm. what had happened was this person would then tell therapy clients that they could not breastfeed in session. And it was very weird for me because I worked at a clinic that also had a birthing center. So women could go in and give birth and go home the same day. Mm. And so I just did not understand how women could go for medical care to deliver the most important people in their lives, literally, mm. and then be brave enough to go get mental health treatment. And this person while they're crying in their chair talking about life, this person mm. is just like, yeah, you, you can't talk about how you feel because you're breastfeeding. And I advocated very hard to give these women a space for them to receive therapy. Mm-hmm. That was very just sunshiny and confidential. Yeah. And I had a VP that was a woman that had also declined that. So I took it upon myself to say, you know what? I'm, I have a private, um, I, have a, I have an independent license. I can start my own private practice where women can go and get therapy and really focus on their issues without um, shame, without stigma, mm-hmm. without having to compromise their ability to be able to be, to bond with their babies and just focus on themselves. And so that's what inspired me to go into the niche of maternal mental health because I really started realizing that for us women of color, we Mm. really don't have an in-between place to go to to talk about these things Mm. during pregnancy and postpartum. I mean, we don't. If you do a Google search of it Mm -hmm. and you try to do a Google search of, one, a therapist that accepts insurance that that, that, that feeds um, perinatal moms, that's hard. You'll find some, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. Two, if you try to find a black therapist that specializes in perinatal mental health, that's even going to be hard to come by. It's already hard enough to find a black therapist, but then to find right. a black therapist that specializes in maternal mental health, 
and accepts insurance. I mean, <laughs> even with or without. I mean, so it's 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 still a new thing. And um, there's a another great therapist of color out here that specializes in it as well. She's been doing this longer than me. She's located in Baltimore. She's also a doula. And her and I often joke that we feel like the Harriet Tubman of this <laughs> genre because, <laughs> you know, yeah. we literally are like opening doors. Like wow. literally and sitting in places that they weren't expecting us to come. So mm. it's been a very fun adventure. And um, yeah, so that's that's what inspired me to get into maternal mental health counseling. Wow. I love it. I think that is definitely um, a great story and experience for you to have to be like, you know what, I need to create this space because as you were talking, I was just thinking, you know, right. So first off, these women are dealing with the stigma of I'm a mom, but yet I'm still feeling sad. Like people are probably like, you should be happy. You're pregnant. Woo. Right. But then on the other piece, it's Mm -hmm. the other stigma. I'm black and talking about mental health, you know, so it's like you I feel Mm -hmm. like it's kind of like one of those double whammies for for mothers of color. <laughs> mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Now, now Siobhan and and I, I just to kind of help some moms out here. So, what 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 does the intake process usually looks like when you're meeting with um, a mom that's pregnant or just recently had a child. Like what, what is that process like for them? Well, I'll say what my process is like because every Mm -hmm. therapist has a different process. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, so for example, I I met a perinatal therapist just yesterday for the first time. So she was just like, she does not like to use the word intake. She likes to use the word meet and greet Hmm. um, because it's, it's a getting to know each other. Sometimes people don't come after the first session. It's fine. Yeah. Um, So um, I would have to say that for me, it depends upon what the person is bringing. Um, Just like in therapy with, um, with patients that are not bringing postpartum issues, they could just be bringing life stressors, depression, anxiety, et cetera. Sometimes I can get a client that comes in and they just want to talk. They just want to talk. They they don't care that there's questions, there's forms. They just want to talk because they've been holding stuff in for so long. They just need that release. And so that first session, I'll just let them talk. And then the next time after that, I'll be sure to ask them some questions. Um, ideally how I would like my first session to go is that I do get to ask some questions about that person. I get to ask about their prior mental health history. If they know if their mom or any woman in their family have experienced any, um, perinatal mental health issues. Um, then I would also ask if they have any history of taking any mental health medications, um, any personal history of trauma, what mm-hmm. I typically do is just assess moods. I do a okay. lot of what we call uh, screening and assessment of moods to kind of um, screening of assessments of moods and trauma. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of get like a, a full picture of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that will let me know if there's anything going on. And if there is, how mild or severe mm-hmm. what's happening is um is going 
Okay. And so about, it takes about two to three sessions to really start coming up with hmm. plans and suggestions. I always say to clients that going to therapy for the in the beginning is, is kind of like, um, what can I liken it to? It's, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like when you meet any person for the first time whether it's a colleague or a friend or a religious person, um, unless you're going to the hair salon, no one's going to come out giving you automatic suggestions with how to handle your life. Um, so it's a, it's a gradual process. Um, so it, I don't give directives really unless somebody comes to me really severe. And mm. I've seen that. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's a good segue into if we can talk a little bit about what is the difference between the baby blues and depression. Oh, the first things first, um, <laughs> I wish I could have like kicked open the door with this disclaimer coming in. Um, so first things first, if you are feeling sad and down, like in your baby is a child of three or five years old that's not postpartum depression Mm. or baby blues. Mm -hmm. Baby blues only happens within the first couple of hours and up to two weeks after giving birth. So Mm. it's basically your body adjusting to saying, hey, I am no longer pregnant. I'm actually, I actually now delivered a human. So I have to start lactating. Then my body has to try to figure out, okay, how to go back to, you know, the way it was prior to, being pregnant mm-hmm. and so I mean that's a lot I mean that's a lot your body had nine months to adjust to carrying a human exactly. and so like a snap of a finger your body has to get it together within minutes minutes or hours so mm. um there's so many hormonal changes that are have that are happening um and so sometimes for some women that can be overwhelming it's it's the best way I can liken it is too is like some women have what we call perinatal uh, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, PMDD, mm. okay. and it's a mood disorder that happens around PMS. Like some women, they just they just get cramps mm-hmm. or it's unbearable. They're just like, they've got to stay home. But some women, the hormonal changes are so bad, it doesn't come out in cramps. Mm. It comes out in just these drastic mood swings, intense, deep despair. Um, the hunger is out of control. Hmm. You just feel exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the, that's the best way I can like in baby blues. Baby blues is that. It's just recognize that there's been some hormonal changes in the body. And so you're feeling this sadness. You're feeling this anxiety and this fear of, oh, my gosh, like, can I do this? Um, feeling overwhelmed and yes just the healing process Mm -hmm. especially for moms that have like had c-sections or they've had uh vaginal deliveries and they may have had some tearing that was more than what they were bargaining for just having to go through that um i've I've met with women that have had pre-existing uh gynecological issues and so because of the the uh, the delivery, not the labor, it actually kind of exacerbated pre-existing issues. And so just mentally trying to wrap their minds around that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's two weeks. And then, um, then postpartum, 
depression or postpartum anxiety is anything that happens beyond those two weeks up Mm -hmm. until the baby turns one year old. Mm -hmm. So if your baby is beyond one, that's not postpartum. That is nothing that's postpartum. Um, Mm -hmm. So, um, and what that looks like, what postpartum depression looks like, it could be, again, mood swings, Mm -hmm. anger, sadness, overwhelming, um, and uh, I'm trying to think what's the other one. Yes, um, that's the, oh, yeah, crying spells, isolation from others. Um, but the thing is, though, with postpartum depression, it's what makes postpartum depression to me more severe than general depression is the fact that it's happened over a very short time period. And moms who, I've, I've seen this moms that have spent years trying to conceive their baby is just pretty much just like, I don't know if I can do this. Matter mm. of fact, I don't even know if I even want to be here. I don't even know if I want to hold this baby and mm. I don't want you holding this baby. Wow. Um, I like, and then, you know, I've also seen it in the cases where moms are like, well, why can this person change my baby? And I don't even know how to put the stroller together. I guess I'm not a fit mom. And so that just won't be a five-minute thought. That five-minute thought will turn into five days, five weeks. Mm. And so um, it's just really this thought of, like, I could do X, Y, and Z, but now I can't even do this. Like, I don't even want this baby. I don't want to eat. I really don't feel like being around people. And Or the other one is I don't feel like bringing the baby out because I feel like everyone is going to be watching me. Hmm. So. Wow. Thank you for that. Uh, definitely a lot of great information that you just shared. Um, and I'm taking notes yeah, myself. Because, <laughs> yeah, because even with postpartum anxiety, um, that even looks like um, postpartum anxiety is, uh, sometimes people can even be avoidant of their baby. Mm. Um, I've had uh, postpartum anxiety moms are the ones that are what we call A-type personalities. They're perfectionists. Okay. Everything has to be perfect. Everything has to be, um, what do you call it? it? Everything just has to be in line. And so mm. a lot of moms that have postpartum anxiety, they don't understand that perfectionism doesn't translate well with a baby. <laughs> <laughs> right. It just doesn't. <laughs> and so, you know, um, and so for them, they're just like, this has to be done and that has mm. to be done and this has to be done. Um, and so, um, with that, at the same breath, they don't understand that everything can't go as planned, but then they'll also be like, but I don't want to hold my baby. Mm. And um, I actually had seen a situation where this mom had planned everything so that they could not be around their baby. I'm talking about it got to the point where she's like, oh, it's too heavy to lift my baby. I think I need physical therapy. And then that was a physical therapy appointment that was now twice a week, a top of the mm-hmm. weekly therapy appointment, a top of the weekly psychiatry appointment. Mm-hmm. I don't know how this person was able to see the psychiatrist weekly. And then it, um, the person was able to get a nanny. And then this turned into, okay, like, when is this person around the baby? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So it could look like avoidance. 
Yeah. And now, Siobhan, even with that, so then when you see um, these disconnect, disconnected attachments, right, um, with the child mm-hmm. and the parent, do you um, do any like attachment bonding assessments or work with the parent to kind of have that breakthrough? Because, you know, in essence, we know um, just because of the line of work we do that, you know, disrupted attachment alters your social and emotional um development um as a child oh it does so oh it does you mm. know and that's the other thing too that's why it's in my policy i welcome babies one year and younger to session so i because so i can see that and so i'm kind of where a lot of therapists are like oh okay like the baby's not welcome that's actually like my ears perk up and the flags go up when i'm just like so you don't want to bring the baby to session. <laughs> so, um, so just want to put that out there. Like I welcome babies to my office because I, weren't, I, I just do not want moms feeling even more anxious and depressed and sad about the capacities about moms or capabilities about being moms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just need their baby to be there with them. But at the same time, I'm glad you mentioned that because of bonding and attachment. Because I start to look and see a mom fixated too much on this baby. Like, um, mm. that's another thing. Sometimes with postpartum anxiety, mom starts to become anxious about the baby having health issues the baby doesn't even have. Mm. And so I start, so, so sometimes I'll look at the mom to see, is she responding to the baby's cries? Is she responding to the baby's clues? Does she even see that the baby is rolling off the couch, you know, mm. which I don't let the babies roll off the couch, but, you know, <laughs> right, um, right. or, you know, is this baby, is the mom checking in just a little too much, mm. little too much? Mm. I like that. I like that. But yeah, that, that made me think of just that attachment and bonding piece and the development of the child mm-hmm. in essence. Um, and just to shift gears just a little bit, can we talk about the in utero stuff? And for folks that are like, in utero, what? <laughs> like, so I'm talking about when the baby is inside the womb um, and, and, and mm-hmm. what what that process is like. Like, um, and of course, right, you, you, you're you not a um, physician or anything, um, but what, so a mom that is pregnant and has, um, that is clinically diagnosed with depression, what what happens in utero to the child when you have depression? Is there oh. any mm-hmm. cortisol? Cortisol is one of the. Um, this is where we get scientific a little bit. Cortisol <laughs> is one of the chemicals that um, the baby gets exposed to during pregnancy, and so basically, um, don't ask me specifically what it does at the time. But <laughs> what I do know is that there's supposed to be normal levels of it and too much of it that's given to the baby kid is not good. Um, so if you are stressed or depressed, your body increases more cortisol than usual. And what mm-hmm. that can do, that can cause uh, preterm labor, low birth weight, or it can cause miscarriage. Hmm. Hmm. And, and right, like I'm just writing this down myself. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. Now, and and I and and you know, I I I don't like have any kind of um medical background myself, but I also feel like there is some kind of dis 
some kind of connection with like you just shared that, you know, you can have too much of it when you are um, feeling stressed out and whatnot um, or depressed and, and how that uh, alters, I don't know, the genetics or the, bi- the bi- biological makeup of, of the child's um, emotional regulation. Because I get a lot of um, individuals who are mothers and, you know, their kid um, is referred to me and, you know, they're being referred because they're like, oh, you know, they're too young to diagnose them as schizophrenic or bipolar, you know, but like they're just so emotionally all over the place. Like they um, have these angry outbursts. And every time, Siobhan, it never fails. The pattern is when I talk to the mom about, you know, how was your pregnancy? Oh, I had depression. It never seems to fail. That is the the common pattern that I've been seeing with the um the 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 children that I work with um who are referred for those kind of behaviors and every mother mm. is like I had depression while pregnant with them. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I was just, you know, trying to figure out that 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 it has to be a linkage. Like there has to be some kind of oh, linkage. There, I, I definitely think that there is some linkage. And I think mm-hmm. that what postpartum depression looks like for black moms is that it looks like there's a lot of re- rationalization and denial of that it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also a lot of encouragement from family members or people in the community, even the church community, mm-hmm. to just like work through it, push through it. Right. And, you know, some people will even question a mom's capabilities because she's actually verbalizing that she doesn't feel okay. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, she's not a bad mom. She's actually a great mom because mm-hmm. she recognizes that she's not okay and she actually cares about her baby enough she verbalizes we need some extra support on this on this the ship here you know before we could take off for sale so i think there's a lot of that i think that there's a lot of encouragement in our community to just kind of suck it up keep it going um sometimes for people that are very religious you're not praying hard enough and um or um, there are some people that say that some moms are just trying to make excuses. Mm. Like you wanted to be a mom and now this baby came. And so now you're just making an excuse. Mm-hmm. And so when we have a lot of those messages that are given to us, we're actually kind of being told indirectly, like you need to deal with this by yourself. There's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And so it really is difficult for moms of color to come out and say, I feel depressed, you mm. know, without all the criticism. It is. It sure enough is. And this made me think of um, an article and I um, was featured in it because it talked about um, when you you aren't happy that you, you're pregnant and everybody else think you should be. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, and that, that just made me think about the article. Um, and so I'll, I'll put it in my... Um, the bio of this um, podcast description. But that just made me think about that. Like, is it wrong for for women, right? You you prayed for this baby um, or, or what have you and, and you're pregnant. Like, you should be happy, right? That's what 
that's what society says. But, you know, you may feel miserable Mm -hmm. just because like, you know, how it is on your body. It may be too harsh for you um, physically or, you know, even mentally, you you know, um, there's that chemical imbalance of things. And that's where, you know, the depression may set in. So how can we support the women that are are pregnant and they may not necessarily be be excited but it's not to say that they don't want their baby you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so what what are some Um, ways we can support them i think one the first thing you can do is assess this mom's support Mm um i always like to say that a lot of people love to encourage this woman to have babies then when it happens like everybody scatters Mm, that's good (laughs) You know, so, that's true. <laughs> so asking this, yeah, exactly. So asking this woman, like, what is it like? What is what does her support look like? Does she even know that it's okay to start asking people? Hey, I need for you to pretty much as soon as this baby's born, when you're walking in, look at my refrigerator to see what needs to be done. Is there laundry that needs to be folded? Um, is there food that needs to be prepped? Is there a room in my in, in my home that needs to be cleaned? Um, is there recycling that needs to be taken out? Do I just need a nap? Like, mm. is there someone that will volunteer to just watch my child while I take a nap? Um, mm. Those kinds of things. And I think that's one thing is being able to tell this mom, it's okay for you to ask for what you need, seriously. Mm-hmm. And it's okay for you to start looking for people to uh, provide those supports. I have a friend that uh, decided to have twins solo. And mm. so um, one of the things that we just knew walking into our house was just to open up our arms and just be like, all right, like we have empty hands. Mm-hmm. Give us something to do. <laughs> you know, whether mm. it's, it's clean up the bookshelf and, you know, whatnot and uh, just make ourselves useful because Sometimes it's really not about just let's look at the baby. Look at how the, you know, how beautiful the shiny baby is. Mm-hmm. That's great. You know, <laughs> this baby's going to photograph well always, but yes. like mom needs you right now. And so I would just have to say is just asking this mom, what are her supports? And this is what's really needed for us that I do not see large enough in existence is, mm support groups for us Mm. because honestly like out here in the dmv there are support groups but they're expensive and most of the women that come to those support groups they're white and these things require deposits of like a hundred dollars 150 dollars and like we already have stigma in the mental health community right Mm -hmm. so how easy is it going to be to find a group of black moms that's going to drop down $150 to take an hour? Let's really be specific about this now. Three yeah. hours. We need to count the time it's going to take to get the baby ready, mm. then to actually get to the destination, yeah. then to actually be there, and then to figure out to get home in enough time to cook or pick up somebody else's kid or your other child. Mm. So, again, just really think of how quickly a black mom's going to jump at the opportunity to, one, enroll in that and to pay a deposit to enroll mm, in that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, and so, and I'm not trying to sound mean or negative with right, the facts. No. Like these, we, we need these groups. We need these groups. We need to participate in these groups. But we also need for these groups to be closer to us, mm. like geographically. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to be in our neighborhoods. 
They need to be um, in our hair salons. They need to be in our churches. Mm. They need to be, um, you know, in our community centers. They need to be places that we frequent. Mm Because they're not there. We're not utilizing them. So um, I will, and I can honestly say that, like, when I see these white moms, like, they're making it happen. They're bringing their baby to these groups. They're prioritizing these things. And this is where I'm going to bring in another connection where um, I'm starting to see this. Like, we have neglected a lot of our needs even in the boardroom. Mm. Okay? okay? And we're trying to break through that glass ceiling. And we're looking to our left and our right, and we're trying to understand how our white counterparts are able to break through that glass ceiling. Hmm. They're not compromising their emotional needs. Mm, but that's we good. are. Say that again for the people in the back. <laughs> but we are like seriously so like we keep pushing forward but we're not even taking the time to stop and get this help i have Mm. been amazed at how some women have come to me and they're like their job offers this benefit and i'm like what and Mm. they but they did the research and so many of us don't even know that if we just take the time to just research and prioritize our, our mental health Mm. I mean, we could be at that boardroom, too. I'm serious. I love that. We could be in that boardroom, too. And and it's just sometimes we are required to be vulnerable to get ahead in the boardroom. We mm. are. And if we think that all we have to bring is these job requirements, well, you know, good luck to you because 50% of the deals happen outside of that boardroom mm. it happens in the moments that you're able to be vulnerable it happens yes. in the moment i tell everybody this story i have a really good friend of mine today because she was once my supervisor mm-hmm. but one christmas i just decided to get her a candle mm-hmm. and it happened to be like her favorite color or whatnot and mm-hmm. she was excited and she was just like she never forgot the fact that i thought of her at christmas Mm-hmm. And that I got her a candle. She loved candles. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you something. Ever since that time, it's been years now, that woman has looked out for me. And I, I mm. don't work in the organization anymore. But I, I mentioned that to say that sometimes we have to recognize, take the time to recognize humanity in us, mm. that we can be able to recognize the humanity in other people, Hello. that we can be able to advance ourselves in the boardroom. Come, come. Okay? Siobhan, but, you're preaching. you preaching. I'm <laughs> <laughs> trying. I'm trying, but that's what I'm really seeing mm. is, 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 you know, in our black moms is yeah. that like, one, it's just everything that we didn't take the time to like talk about and get deep down and dirty mm. with, like it's coming out while we are pregnant or postpartum. Mm. And if we take the time to actually deal with it, oh my gosh, like girl, you could get that promotion, Come on. you know, and not talk yes. about that shady supervisor that's saying, hey, you know, I've got these new job tasks for you and I'll just give you a $2,000 pay increase and call it a promotion when your white counterpart really is getting a promotion and their salary increase is jumping. Like, mm. 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 yeah. Mm. So if you, so that's that. So for me, that's what black maternal mental health looks like right now. We are struggling in silence and we are really compromising ourselves in so many ways. And if we tell ourselves that it's okay to shut up, and keep these things buried deep yes. down mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. when, you know, in our most intimate moments, that's going to translate in your professional realm. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. And I can be a, a testament to that. I'm, I'm just thinking like, yeah, you know, 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm like me not addressing like half of like my own emotional stuff and just keeping it shut down that that has translated into um work life. Um yeah. Mm-hmm. No, this is this is good, man. <laughs> and you know, we even think just as a culture, what are we told to do? We can't talk about how we feel. You know, like that, that's, that's right. null and void, <laughs> you know, and it's actually like, no, nah, you keeping that stuff buried. You need to let that stuff come out. So that way you are able to articulate yourself well enough when you are in that emotional space. Um, mm-hmm. man, yeah, no, this is good. Fun. <laughs> This is well, good. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you. You know, I always say, like, you know, when I have my guests on, I, I think I always get you guys on for me. <laughs> in, in, in some <laughs> unconscious thinking, I'm like, you know what? This really going to help me out. <laughs> I need to hear this. That's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you so much for that. We, we, we needed to hear that. And you put that so well. Like, man. <laughs> so I hope people have this one on repeat because I feel like how you just said it, it can apply to, to everybody. Granted, we talking about moms and women of color, but, you know, I feel like it it, it can go for our brothers too. Like, all, all of oh, what absolutely. you just said. Yeah. <laughs> for all of us. Absolutely. For the whole culture. Um, man. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, oh, can we talk about... Who is more at risk to develop um, postpartum depression, anxiety, um, clinical depression, so to speak, um, as women of color? Who are more likely? Like, is it a certain population, age, group, um, certain demographic in terms no. of you know, historical um, or biological no. pieces? Mm-hmm. So for us, it's kind of like maternal mortality. So African-American mm. women have the highest maternal mortality in the whole entire world. And what does that mean? We have high, we're at high risk of dying mm. due to childbirth related complications. Um, so when you look at uh, Erica Garner mm. or um, what was that woman, Judge Hatchett, her daughter-in-law, yes. you look at those women. Yeah. I mean, again, those are probably women that had some type of history of some type of depression or trauma. Ding, mm. ding, ding. Erica mm. Garner's father, Eric Garner. So um, I, for, for the fact is, while we see most media portrayal, portrayals of white moms with postpartum depression, it's actually black moms. We have a percentage rate that I think is almost somewhere up to close to about 28, 28% mm. or maybe 30% of us that get postpartum depression. But guess who had the highest risk of it, though? Who? Latinas. Really? Yeah. More than white women, more than black women, it's Latinas. Um, And then underneath Latinas is us. Mm -hmm. So, um, whereas if white women get it to where around like the 20 percentile, Mm -hmm. you know, we're getting it. We're getting up there like 28. I've seen statistics like higher than that. Mm -hmm. I don't feel comfortable directly quoting them right now because um, as I was saying, um, I do a continuing education training on perinatal mood disorders and minority mental health. And as I was saying in my training, um, it was really challenging for me to find concrete statistics. Mm. Like, okay, like what is statistics for us black moms? Like 
I mean, I saw numbers that were all over the map. Mm. It was nothing that was like in a, a in a family range, but okay. um, I and honestly, I'm glad that you asked that because there is research that is greatly lacking when it comes to um, African American moms and postpartum depression. Um, I uh, saw myself reading some articles here and there that kept referring back to this one article in 1990 and i'm Mm. like so this is all we got you know um so for those of us that are listening that may not um, have uh gone to you know got college or graduate school in the psychology field we are taught that we really should not cite research that's beyond 10 years old Mm -hmm. uh, for anything just for anything when we're talking about mental health we really shouldn't be citing (laughs) most of our research that's beyond 10 years and Mm -hmm. so it was shocking to me that I could only find a handful of articles that was within maybe the past 10. Yeah, within the past 10. Mm. So when I would find research articles, the researchers themselves were biased. They were Mm. always doing research on urban black teen moms. Mm. Always. They were not doing any research on moms that were living in rural areas. They were not doing research on moms that were college educated. They Mm. weren't doing research on moms that were coming from two parent households. Mm -hmm. I I, I was shocked. Mm. Like black people do come from two parent households. Mm -hmm. Like we do, you know, um, we we do live beyond the age of 21 and some of us do become first time moms at 40 and 42. Mm -hmm. Uh, But research, if you only look at research, you're not seeing that. Mm. You're not seeing that. Um, and so that told me right there, we have so much that we need to know. The other thing is that a lot of these maternal, these black maternal health rights organizations, they're only focusing on our reproductive rights or social justice at um, frame, but they're not focusing on the mental health component. So they mm. love to talk to you about how racism created all of these issues that made it difficult for us to give birth to healthy babies mm-hmm. or for us to have trauma-free labor, Mm. but they're not even talking about what does trauma mean for us. They Mm. use terms like Mm trauma-informed, and they keep using trauma-trauma. It's a lovely trigger word they like to use, but Mm -hmm. it means nothing if we're not going to talk about PTSD, depression, Mm. anxiety, bipolar, it Mm. means our domestic violence. It means none of that, because that's really, um, as you can tell, I'm very passionate about this. that, that, that stuff really is connected to us black moms. If you grew up seeing your mom or an aunt or an aunt or a dad or an uncle be beat up on, mm-hmm. whether it was somebody in your family or the guys in the block, yeah, that's going to impact your pregnancy. I don't care how many degrees, how much money you make. Mm-hmm. It is. And so, um, what, so what I'm seeing is that these reproductive rights organizations that are focusing on our black moms, they're totally ignoring the whole entire mental health part. Totally. And we can't talk about prevention of us dying after giving birth mm. from things that are totally treatable, like preeclampsia, preeclampsia, mm. or, you know, a low birth weight. We, we can't begin to talk about those things if we're not going to talk about how we feel about ourselves, how mm-hmm. we feel about our mom, how we feel about our dad, how we feel about people that may not have even been there, how we feel about our relationship partner, how we feel about mm. our body. You know, um, I once had a mom that told me that while she was happy for this baby, she was scared that she was going to lose her job. Pregnancy discrimination in the workplace really wow. happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So, you know, these are things that can impact your pregnancy. Um, So the statistics, those things are all over the place, but I think I've just given a whole bunch of reasons as to why we need to have some. Mm. Yes. And you actually, if you can talk a little bit, um, I know I saw um, you had posted how you were lobbying um, a while back and you were able Mm -hmm. to speak right on um maternal mm-hmm. mental health can you talk to us about what you were lobbying for and able to speak up for us about yes so i was lobbying for the legislation for dc the district of columbia to have a maternal mental health uh board mm-hmm. uh and basically what was what we wanted uh or maternal mental health law and what that would do is that it would mandate that there would be a maternal health review. And what hmm. does that mean? That means that in addition to Columbia, if a mom uh, gives birth to a stillborn baby or if a mom happens to die due to childbirth uh, complications, the, um, the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C., is not required by law to do a maternal review to figure out what led to that. Mm. Okay. They're not required. So if that's not required, then it's hard for you to even get funding for research for things like postpartum depression Mm, or perinatal depression or perinatal Mm. anxiety. And so um, the other thing that would also come along with the legislation of this is an increase in education for birthing professionals. So OBGYNs, midwives, Mm -hmm. doulas, birth coaches, therapists. Um, So increase education on perinatal mood disorders. Um, and an increase in funding for community support for uh, expecting and postpartum moms. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, and then, you know, therapy. And so I wanted to be a part of that because I knew what it was like to work in a industry mm-hmm. that had all these great professionals, but had zero ability to be able to help these moms with their mental health um, issues. And they wouldn't do it because it wasn't required. Mm. So, um, yeah, I got to speak at that hearing and they still, there's still been no word on whether it's passed or not, but it was a pretty cool, um, experience to, uh, be a part of. Yeah. And I just, um, am grateful and appreciate you being at the forefront front of this cause because it is definitely something that is so needed you know of course we may not realize you know how how needed it is but you know we have somebody that's that's willing to go for the gusto and and stand up for this so I appreciate you for doing this so I thank you. you yes um you know what, before we um, head off, Siobhan, so like for a therapist like me, um, granted, I'm I'm not, um, you know, skilled in um, perinatal mood disorders or, or things like that. But I do come in contact with a lot of moms, moms um, because I, I work with their children and I do um, a lot of family therapy. Um, so mm-hmm. how what what kind of tips can you give me and any other therapist that may be listening when we're working with those mothers who are, who may be currently pregnant and we know, okay, they do have um, a history of depression and, you know, we, we see those behaviors in, in a few of their kids that you're working with. Um, how, how, what is something we can do to help support that mother? 
Um, so this there's a tool, it's totally free. It's approved for us to be able to print out and um use it as much as we want. It's called the Edinburgh uh postpartum depression scale. Hmm. And um it's free. And so if you're a clinician, you can do that or uh, a provider, a healthcare provider, you can do that with your moms and um, you can score it and it gives you directions on how to score it and what the new um, numerical scores mean. Mm-hmm. You can get moms connected to a local chapter of Postpartum Support International. They have free support meetings, uh, free support groups. Mm-hmm. There's even a, a call-in support group that they have in the Postpartum Support International website. Wow, okay. Um, For moms that are experiencing, and I also want to express that too, postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety is not just something that you can develop if you gave birth to a live baby. You can also experience this if you're having fertility issues, adoption problems, or um, have experienced miscarriage. So for moms that are experiencing miscarriage, you can also contact the hospital and see about when they do their memorial sessions for their rainbow baby. Mm. Um, so a lot of times people say rainbow babies, they mean that for biracial babies. Well, rainbow babies are also termed for, uh, for babies that have been um, miscarried. So mm. some hospitals will actual ha- actually have monthly memorial uh, services for babies that were uh, stillborn or uh, miscarried. Mm -hmm. There are also websites that have online support groups for moms that have experienced those things, like Through the Heart. Mm. Um, First Candle. First Candle is a national organization, and they also have local meetings, so those are free too. And because there's also depression around the whole well, is it wrong for me to want to conceive again after I lost the baby? Mm. Does this mean that I didn't really love the other baby? Or um, everybody encouraged me to have this baby and I wasn't ready yet, and my partner and I are not the same emotional page. Or I keep losing baby after baby after baby, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, when am I going to be able to have a baby? Or I had one, and why do I keep miscarrying? These are all things that can cause a mom to feel postpartum. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's why I like to use the word perinatal. Mm-hmm. So there's so much that happens prenatally. <laughs> um, yeah. And, yeah, so um, so I, I hope the number one takeaway that listeners get from this is that you don't have to give birth to a baby for you to feel postpartum. You can mm-hmm. feel depression prenatally. Um, mm-hmm. And you can have it through fertility issues. So I would say that, like, okay. start with online resources, empower the clients to start taking the lead on their recovery tour. We're only in our clients' lives for one hour mm-hmm. um, yeah. out of a whole week. You know, so empower them to have tools and create supports. Um, I've specifically seen that for moms of color. We do best when we have supports in the home. So see if there's a friend or a family member, a community member or community people or neighbors that can be there in the home that you feel comfortable to have in your home. Like, let's be real now. I know a lot of mm-hmm. us don't like a lot of people in our home. Right. So <laughs> see if there's one or two, yeah. you know, see if there's one or two. Uh, there was a mom out here that it took her roommate to recognize she was going into some significant distress and was the one to call 911 for her to uh, deliver her baby. Unfortunately, you know, um, her name was Somisha Ayobo. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, she did not make it. 
they had to deliver her baby via uh, C-section and the mom died that night and the baby died four days later. But had it not been for her roommate stepping in, Mm -hmm. you know, like where was she? Yeah, that might have never happened. She might have never even made it to the hospital. So just empower the people that are around you to be active. Mm. Those, I guess, would be like some of my my final words. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And can you let the listeners know how they can connect with you? Yes. So, um, I, um, you can find me on Instagram. Um, it's at Acoma underscore counseling, A K O M as a mother, A as an alphabet underscore counseling, C O U N S E L I N G. I'm on Twitter at Acoma counseling, Facebook, Acoma counseling concepts, and on um, my website, www acomacounselingconcepts.com I do accept clients for online counseling mm, so um, awesome. yes yes so if you would like to find me I'm beginning to launch some mommy packages or if not just you just want to do session by session and you happen to live in New York you happen to live in Wisconsin or Nebraska mm-hmm. and you're not here in the District of Columbia you can find me online for counseling Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ms. Siobhan, for taking time out and to share your wealth of knowledge and experience with us. So I know, um, it, you know, this this definitely blessed my soul. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping yeah, that it well, does the you. same for the listeners. And thank you. Thank you. This won't be your last time, though. Um, I'm hoping this isn't your last time. So... <laughs> Cause I, I can see we 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 I was just sitting here thinking about like man, but I want to talk about this, talk about this. Like it's so much where I'm just like I gotta bring you back. Um, yeah, I gotta have you back. <laughs> so yes, all right, so, all right. Yes. So thank you. Well, it was again. a pleasure. Yes, and we'll be right back after the break. Well, thank you so much to my wonderful guest, Ms. Siobhan Odom, and our sponsors for today's episode, Audible. And today's wellness tip for the week, um, just as Siobhan was talking, will be support a mama. So we will use hashtag support a mama, M-A-M-A. Um, and whether it be, you know, just checking on them, giving them a phone call and just be like, hey, how are you doing? Um, or if they just had a baby, you know, like she said, it, you know, the baby definitely gonna show up beautiful in all the pictures, but um, to, to just reinforce how we show up for that parent, for that mom. And so that's what what our wellness tip will be for the week is support a mama. And so I thank you guys for listening in. Don't forget to send me your feedback and rate and review this podcast on iTunes so I can know how I'm doing. And if you feel the content is worth sharing, which I I believe it is, (laughs) but I could be biased, (laughs) please share and tell a friend. Um, And again, rate and review so other people can find this podcast. So until next time, you guys be well. Peace. Hey, TC listeners, don't forget to like and subscribe this podcast. It can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And don't forget to connect with me on social media, on Instagram at The Evolving Chair, Facebook, The Evolving Chair, Twitter at The Evolving Chair without the R, and my new email address, 
podcast at theevolvingchair.com. So send in your questions if you are interested in being a guest or want to be on the chair with Lakeisha.